You're listening to Campus Review Radio. So uh, we're now going to start looking at some of the areas which are influencing uh, this change in the world that we're living in. Our next session is around the driving forces uh, that's, uh, behind society and development. The job titles for people that come up here are going to get longer and longer as our day gets uh, goes on further into the afternoon. But to start off today, we're going to hear from the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Research from the University of Technology, Sydney. La- Sydney. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Glenn Weinberg. Thank you very much, Chris, and thank you very much for the opportunity to come and spend some time with you this morning. As, as Chris mentioned, I have this long, glorious uh, job title. In fact, when I, my wife explains what I do to people, she said, well, he's just king of the nerds, and I think that's kind of a, a little nicer. Um, what I'd like to do is spend a few minutes with you talking a little bit about some of the work we're doing at some of our universities on this whole theme of sort of exploration and innovation. Um, I work at the University of Technology Sydney, just down the road. Um, UTS happens to be in one of those precincts that, that Minister Hunt talked about. Um, in fact, around us is about 40% of all the startups for um, startup companies and so on in, in Australia. But I want to just talk about the work we're doing at UTS and our engagement and interaction with, with industry. Um, UTS is a member of a network of technology universities, Australian Technology Net- Network, and these are the leading technology universities in Australia. Queensland University of Technology, um, University of South Australia, RMIT University in Melbourne, and Curtin University in, in Western Australia. And together we're working very closely, have a very long track record of of engaging with industry around really interesting problems and training um, the new next generation of, um, of leaders in the, in the workforce. The starting point I wanted to share some thoughts was a little bit about um, you know, the relevance and impact of science. I was just actually had a, a fantastic eight-day trip to China, I just got back last week, and we're in um, Guangzhou, Hong Kong, Chongqing, Wuhan, Shanghai, and Beijing, and we managed to avoid two typhoons crossed the border four times and had a, a fantastic set of meetings with all of our university industry partners. And while I was there reading the China Daily News every day, lots of stories on the fantastic space program that China is now running. Unfortunately, we to see a lot of that here in the media in Australia. Um, and it reminded me, just at the same time, I was reading a wonderful book by um, Eugene Cernan, who was the last man to walk on the moon. No one's probably ever heard of his name. Um, he worked on Apollo 17. And I think back to those times when I was a kid and to, to where the sort of space program in China is going, just to the critical role that science has in all of our lives. So I picked mobile phone just as, a, as an example. You know, take your mobile phone out of, out of your pocket. And the incredible amount of science and technology that underpins that. Science and technology research that's come out of universities and research labs and organisations right around the world. And you can see up there, I just gave a sort of smattering of some of the underpinning computer science, some of the material science, silicon, specialised glass, the lithium-ion batteries and so on in the phones these days. And then, you know, areas like physics, the electronics, the semiconductors, the global positioning system, all the wireless technology, the optics around the phone. You know, science continues to have an enormous impact on our lives. And as universities, it's critical that we continue to develop and train the next generation of scientists and engineers and mathematicians, as well as all the social sciences, and, and make sure those people are ready and active to, to contribute to our, to our world. 
The other thing that's interesting about the, the phone, of course, is not just what it represents from a technological perspective, but what it drove in terms of innovation. And this was my kind of quick sketch at the number of different things that we no longer need. Who sends a postcard these days? Um, you know, we now look at, you know, we look at all the um, media newspapers online. You know, who has a telephone, who has a dictaphone, who has a pager, compass, et cetera, et cetera. You know, from a, an innovation perspective, these devices and the, and the science and technology behind them have able to, been able to create incredibly new and interesting business models for us. So what do we do as universities and why do I think our role is absolutely critical in this whole space? Well, I kind of characterise it as, as three kind of key areas we do work. We do our research work, our discovery. A lot of that we do these days strongly in collaboration with, with industry, and I'll give you a couple of interesting examples of that in a moment. We train. We train the next generation of people to go out into the workforce. We measure ourselves at our university very much in terms of the graduate success. How those students that are coming into our university are being prepared for their future careers. We did a study last year at UTS and found out that in fact 40% of our students don't see themselves working for large organisations like the IBMs and the Huawei's and the Commonwealth Banks. They see themselves working in their own organisations, creating their own businesses, creating their own startups. So the sort of skills we need to prepare them for are innovation, entrepreneurship, you know, project management, accounting, all those things, but applied potentially in, in a different way. The last thing we do as universities is collaborate. And although there's often you know, a lot of criticism that universities don't get out and do work, I've been here to sort of try and change your mind and give you some examples of some really fantastic work that universities do closely and in partnership with industry. In fact, my background is working in IBM for 27 years and then moving into the university environment. And you know, the notion of being able to do really interesting research working closely with industry is kind of just part of, part of my DNA, and it's also part of the DNA of our universities in, in this technology network. So here's a couple of two interesting examples, and I picked them because they involve Huawei. Um, but we've just recently, um, and we have an enormous amount of research, I've only got a few minutes, so I'll only give you, you know, a couple of quick examples. Um, the first project here is one that we're doing around um, 5G wireless. And as you know, we're moving to over you know, the next few years to implement 5G. Um, and all of the companies, the Huawei's of the world, are all working very, very hard on that. But there are some incredibly hard technical problems that need to be solved. A massive demand for, um, for the spectrum. How do we manage that? We have a team at the UTS that are, in fact, one of the leading or the leading team in terms of wireless technology here in Australia. Um, we have a number of collaborations and a really interesting collaboration with Huawei on how to drive high-speed, high-reliability communications over the spectrum that 5G will be, will be using and other unlicensed spectrums. And I could take you into the gory details of that, but as, you know, this is at the forefront of technology and science and motivated and working with and supported by um, an organisation like Huawei. Another interesting project with Huawei is this notion of how do we improve our ability to take photographs. Now, I'm not a particularly good photographer, so the idea that a phone could actually help compose the picture and give me advice and guidance on how to compose a nice picture or something was very appealing. And again, we've got a project with Huawei working on, on exactly those lines. So, you know, we do fundamental research, we do work in quantum computing, we do all sorts of work in, in discovery science and physics, but we're also very motivated to do leading edge research work in partnership with, with organisations. 
We also have a, um, a, a fantastic partnership with Huawei, which is more around the training. I talked a little earlier about the sort of innovation and the sort of demands that our students are having in the way they want to learn these days. No longer do they want to come to university to sit in front of a, a lecturer amongst 300 students. They want to come and actually engage you know, they'll acquire the knowledge, they want to then work out how to practice that knowledge and they want to understand how that knowledge will be applied as they move out into the workforce. So we have a fantastic partnership with the ATN, with Huawei. Um, just recently we've taken 75 students to Huawei Shenzhen headquarters and got them exposure into the future of what Huawei sees for technology. Um, we have 60 students here in um, Sydney that are going to be working with uh, Huawei's um, innovation centre here in, in Sydney. So another good example of, of a partnership between industry and academia. We also do some fantastic work in the ATN around something we call our Industry of Doctoral Training Centre. So if you've heard of people who are studying for their PhD to get a doctorate, the traditional way this is done in universities is to be sort of um, aligned with the supervisor. You kind of come up with your research problem and you spend the next three and a half years very working and very focused on your discovery and your new research and then you write that up in a set of papers and a PhD. And that's a very valid way to, to study and to do your PhD. But of course, there are really interesting problems in industry. So what we've done is take that sort of PhD model, turn it into something we call an industry doctoral training centre, and actually have those problems and those PhD students working collaboratively with industry, co-supervised by an academic in the university and co-supervised by someone in industry who's got a really interesting problem that they would like, like to get worked on. So again, another example of innovation applied to the way we, the way we, um, the way we training future, future leaders. I'll give you another interesting example of work with industry. This time it's with Commonwealth Bank. A Commonwealth Bank are very interested in automation. You know, banks have been down that, been working that path um, for you know, 40 years or so. Um, and Commonwealth Bank in particular approached the ATN to talk about their interest in robotics. And we happen to have a set of people, um, one of our leaders, Professor Marianne Williams at UTS, is a leader in the field of social robotics. That's how humans will interact with robots. The nice little example she gives me is, if you had a robot and you said, I want that robot to go and get you a cup of coffee, and you just applied the sort of standard computing algorithms, shortest distance to the coffee queue, the robot would just barge up to the front and stand in the front and get the coffee. How do you program a robot if you're going to get it to do a task like that to recognise that there are a set of people standing around the coffee? It's a slightly trivial example, but it sort of gives you a sense of, you know, getting robots to engage with humans is going to require a whole set of work and, that, and this whole field of social robotics. So again, through the ATN in a partnership with industry, we've actually got, got a team of about 10 people physically down in Piermont at Commonwealth Bank's innovation headquarters, working with them on applying these sorts of technology to work and engage with humans in, in their organisation, in their business. So I want to finish just a little bit, to talk a little bit about, again, the way we're working as universities and engaging. There's often a, a concern that universities, um, you know, in their research, develop all this intellectual property and kind of lock it up. Now, you know, maybe that was how some universities operated, how universities operated in the past. But the principle that we've, we've undertaken and driven, and again, we do this in partnership with our, our peers at the ATN universities, is to say, actually, the intellectual property is fantastic, but the real value is taking our research work, taking the work we're doing, and actually having it translate into impact. 
So fine, we have to manage intellectual property, but we would prefer to give that intellectual property away in most cases if it means we can engage with an organisation and do something useful. Locking it up and storing it away, hey, that's fantastic, I've got 100 patents, but you know, if none of that work is actually translated into impact, then we actually haven't delivered any value. So you know, the notion of universities um, and the way they work, particularly the sort of approach we're taking in the ATM universities in terms of engaging with organisations, doing leading-edge research, working to train the next generation of, of leaders in, our, in all of our organisations, and then collaborating with industry on real-world problems is at the core of what we're trying to do at, at my university and certainly a number of the other universities. So thank you very much for your time today. I hope you have a wonderful conference, and, and again, it was a real pleasure to be here. Thank you.